Welcome to Job Tales, the show where we find out about different professions from the people who know. Each week, I speak to a new guest with a fascinating job. You'll hear about their professional paths and their personal path to doing what they do, the skills required and the tools they use for the job. I'm Laura Leoncini and today my guest is Davide Nicolini, Program Manager at the European Space Agency. Now, this is for me a special opportunity because we're about to explore the world of rockets. You know, we always hear about the work of astronauts and this is fantastic, but there is a whole universe that is less visible to us. And today we delve into this ecosystem, learning what jobs revolve around the launch of Ariane 6, the process of entry into service and how the industry is rapidly evolving to encompass commercial and civil applications. So Davide Nicolini, thank you for being here, my guest at the Job Tales edition of this year. And I am so happy to have you because there's not much information from, from laymen such as myself and maybe some of the listeners to what is it that you do as a program manager at the European Space Agency and specifically for the Ariane 6. Please tell me what you do. Thank you, Laura. So I, I work at the Space Transportation uh, Directorate. So I, I work on our two uh, two launch systems. Uh, particular now recently, I've been working uh, on Ariane 6 uh, transition. We call it so the entry into service of Ariane 6 after the first uh, qualification mm -hmm. flight. I've previously worked on uh, Vega, which is our smaller European uh, rocket. These are the two Ariane and Vega, are our two workhorses uh, in the European access to space currently because uh, now there's new players coming and ent entering into the service uh, in, in Europe. But uh, currently, these are the two uh, European ESA rockets flying. It's amazing. And um, so it's it's a very important job that you have. And when we're, we were talking just before the interview started, you were talking about one flight first, and then you take care of the others. So how is it organized? Who takes care of what? And what do you do when managing these uh, space launch systems? So we are like NASA. We are at ESA. We are we are a space agency which uh, is ultimately responsible vis-a-vis -vis our. Uh, we are a public public agency. Obviously, we work for the government. Uh, in right. Europe, we work for the 27 uh, ESA member states. Uh, these are mainly EU states, but not all, only. And uh, uh, there's other states who are part of ESA which are not EU. And uh, and uh, what we do is we. We are mandated to develop a European uh, access to space and uh, European satellites on one hand. In, in my specific case, in our, in our case, we work on the launch systems and uh, we rely on industry. So we, we have uh, large companies that build or part or, or integrate the system. And so we don't build anything in-house. We, we contract and we manage the, the execution of these contracts. Uh, we have a mixed team of managers of engineers of, of administration as well but we have we have uh, let's say we have we do we do a technical and financial and programmatic oversight of uh, the development of these rockets and of the commercialization of these rockets meaning in this case specific to my case when we discussed about what is the difference between the first flight and the and the first uh, batch of operational flights we uh, development of a, of a of a complex system like a space rocket it is not just a one shot and go uh, right. <laughs> many other engineering domains actually the same i mean you don't you're not complete after the first that went well you have you have several 
flights to to smoothen the process to learn how to make it we call it learning curve so we have we have other factors which may come in we have we have maybe even uh, technical problems to solve which are out of norm in the beginning and so on the public side we even if we hand over to our commercial operator because we don't uh, the European Space Station, we don't operate commercially the, the, the launches, but Ariane and Vega do go on the commercial market. So we have, we hand over after the, having developed these, these rockets to commercial operators. But the first batch of operations, we do it jointly because uh, we, we want to have a smooth entry into service. We want to facilitate the entry into service. And so that's why we have these programs that we call, we call them now in Ariane 6 transition, but we had them previously also on the Vega. And uh, even previously on our previous rockets, I mean, uh, the ESA has been uh, developing uh, launch systems since the late 70s. The Ariane um, evolved into several several different uh, versions, uh, bigger and more powerful than the Vega came into service. Uh, but let's say the, the principles are the same. Let's say we, we public sector, we focus with industry, we contract industry, develop the first, then we help entry into service. And then at some point when it's stable, we step out and uh, we limit ourselves to support financially if necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, say and uh, we we do have some oversight on the evolution if we have to evolve. So we still manage the evolution of the rocket if we have to increase performance. But to say, to say ninety percent of the work is done uh, autonomously by by industry once once things are stable. So I mean, listening to you, I am imagining that there's a lot of engineering work um, at hand. And so, are you an engineer covering this position? Yes, I am. I am an engineer, definitely. I have uh, followed the uh, classical path of uh, masters in engineering, aerospace. In my specific case, most of us who work on the rocket, uh, I would say, are engineers, but not necessarily are aerospace. I mean, there's a lot of different engineers. Uh, I mean, there's different disciplines disciplines in the mm. rocket. In my case, I'm an aerospace engineer. Clearly, I uh, I come from the I have worked uh, from propulsion. I, I've I I worked uh, after the masters on a PhD, and I focused a lot on on propulsion. So the, it's it's the engine of the rocket. I initially worked on spacecraft propulsion, actually, plasma engines and ion engines, which. Uh, Seems like a fancy word. Seems a lot like uh, mm-hmm. uh, Star Wars technology, but actually we have now many operational. We have many satellites, even ESA satellites, flying to different planets, running on ion engines and plasma thrusters. So now, I would say it's it's not science fiction; it's real fiction. But I say I, I come from the the, the propulsion domain. Uh, I have then also worked uh, into myself into knowing a bit about uh, finance and economics and I did an MBA specific to technology I focused on operations so I have uh, I have studied a lot in different domains but I mm-hmm. would say that uh, yes the key the key thing the key experience uh, important for working in this domain is engineering obviously but not only i mean not, not, not only okay and also if you're like a mechanical engineer electrical engineer there are chances that you might work at uh, the european space agency right absolutely we have uh, all the people who who are taking care of avionics they are uh, mm. they're electrical yeah, there's a, a bunch engineers, of uh, not i mean every domain you need the best uh, specialist uh, right if you if there you is. look at materials you need a material specialist if you look at at chemistry, you want a chemistry specialist. So, so in fact, it's right. not only limited to engineering, but mainly engineering, but not only if uh, physicists and chemists and uh, and whatever is uh, really needed for the different uh, disciplines to put together. Right. Now we're working, speaking of rockets. Remember, we do 
a lot of spacecraft in ESA. So, so in both cases, you want to have a background which is compatible to the different specializations. But it's it's uh, it's quite a broad mm-hmm. background which is which is accepted if you do have know-how, right? Okay, yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, because yeah, I imagine it's a very sought-after job. So my ten million dollar question would be: How do you land a job at ESA? Oh well. ESA is a government agency, so so you have to. Uh, all the positions are public and uh, published on our website, and I think even uh, advertised in different okay. channels. But uh, but it's a go- it's a it's um, similar to what NASA does. It's also government agency mm. as well. So you have it published on your website. You apply to a position, and if you're selected, uh, you have the job. You have to be European in order to apply. To be a, a an employee, you have to be European. Now, if you are If you if you're an external contractor, then it doesn't matter what nationality you have. But if you, okay, uh, there is a nationality. European means anyone who is has a passport of uh, the the member states uh, of ESA. Okay. So it can okay. be it's uh, it can be any any state that is participating ESA. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> and so, in your particular case, you were did you go straight into working for the space agency, or did you do other things before? I worked uh, in also other sectors before, uh, not really related to space. Uh, I worked a bit on uh, on nanotechnology domain and the biotech domain. I have worked, uh, uh, but let's say I've started working on ESA. I was pretty young. I was twenty 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 nine or something. So I, okay. I did have. Uh, I've been uh, I've been working uh, on the space sector at the European Space Agency since now over 20 years and I have worked on on spacecraft I work on propulsion I worked on uh, rockets uh, launch systems in the last uh, 13 years but to say I've, I have uh, worked on many different uh, aspects of what ESA does I find it uh, fascinating that we do so many nice things so I always try to uh, <laughs> catch as much as I can <laughs> by <laughs> once in a while changing domain not yeah. that often but uh, but as much as I've i could <laughs> yeah you know thinking about you know we watch a lot of movies and the media are you know the first thing that you think of an astronaut and then you think of those moments you know very dramatic moments where the actually the space, space rockets get launched and everybody's applauding now is that a myth or does it actually happen Well, well, it's not a myth because you see it. It did, it did happen. And it still does. And, uh, <laughs> In movies, so yes. These are real, these are real videos. They're not <laughs> staged. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now it's clear that that in the early days it was, uh, and I mean the early days, the Apollo program, what what created the, the space program in uh, in the U.S. but in right. the world, it was uh, incredible for those days. And then you know to see people flying into space and going into finally landing on the moon or it was it was an incredible uh, let's say there was incredible innovation in the sector done also because you know i mean this is public knowledge but it was a kind of a cold war between the american and the us there who gets who gets thrown into space so there was an enormous amount of resources put and so the acceleration done in those years was tremendous and and mm-hmm. if i if you would Look at the acceleration in the domain we have after that. So in the, since the mid '70s, there were there were some really uh, incredible step forwards as well. But let's say not at that pace. So if if you would say now, I mean, if you're looking at a launch, is that an exceptional event today? I would, if you call an exceptional event something that happens uh, once per day, then I don't know. It's not really an exceptional event, right? There's uh, in average there's a launch per day now in the world. 
there's at least five to seven launches per week. If you put together the Chinese, wow. the American, the, uh, the, the Russians, uh, the, the Japanese and the Indians, and and uh, I mean, especially now the, the commercial launches and SpaceX, uh, if you take SpaceX alone, they're launching 60 a year. So, so that makes uh, wow. you know, twice per month. And that's one company alone. So if you add the whole world together, I mean, uh, there's an amazing amount of launches happening. So it's, it's an, still exceptional. It's a complex thing. It's a very complex thing to build a rocket. It's a very uh, beautiful thing to see a launch, all this, this energy. And this, this, this uh, and it's still a lot of work for who's working on the rocket. But space is now becoming commercial endeavor. It's, com- right. it's beyond the military, beyond the, the civil, the science. It's also a commercial business. And, and you know, things that today you have on your phone, like GPS and, and maps, if you don't have rockets, uh, they're never they're not going to happen, right? So right, yeah. you really need it now. It's it's becoming a, a need. It's becoming something that you really need to have on a constant basis. So so I digressed a bit, but let's say it's still a very incredible thing to see. But it's also a commercial business. It's like watching a plane take off. It's an amazing thing to watch a plane take off. Mm. There's like a million flights uh, per month. So is it? Uh, it's it's also a, a turning business, a turning industry, and space is a growing industry. And exactly because with the commercial coming in, it means also there will be new jobs and new profiles, I guess, also in the space industry. I did interview also someone who is uh, heavily into this business on the commercial end, uh, the Space Cargo International, and then he was telling me, you know, depicting like what's the world going to be like, you know, they're training the future, you know, tourists, space tourists, or uh, uh, trying to, you know, figure out how to make a restaurant up in, up in space. And uh, <laughs> it is going to change. We have no idea today because uh, it's such an early stage, but there's a lot of, you know, investment and um you know, commercial effort. So how do you see the the change happening? You know, you've been now for, for, for a few decades in this industry. Do you see already some change compared to 15 years ago? A few decades. You make me feel old. You're right. I am. It's a few decades. <laughs> so it might be <laughs> two <few> decades. There was a real change. There was a real change that happened really in the decades. I mean, there was, a, there was a, uh, an initiating event that happened uh, under the Obama administration in the U.S. So this is the United States, some, some not in Europe, but to say clearly the leading uh, space uh, country has has initiated what was called commercial space transportation. And that was, uh, yeah, probably 20 years ago when I started. And it was mainly a regulation and it was mainly a different approach and a parallel approach to, to purely government space access, which was NASA at the time and ESA and, uh, and all the government agencies. And uh, in these two decades, you you know, I have seen uh, gradually the the shift from uh, from a government space to commercial space, and uh, an actor everybody knows, uh, SpaceX and, and the Musk company that that grew from uh, from being a very small startup of being now the, the the world leader in space access, and very soon also in in, in space telecommunications. So, so that happened not by coincidence. It happened because. Because governments wanted to do so, the mm-hmm. U.S. government did it two decades ago. Almost uh, the European governments are doing it now. Now we have a huge uh, impetus in Europe to to also implement all the regulatory change to enable uh, commercial uh, space. And uh, and there's a lot of startups, in fact, growing uh, in Europe uh, in the last five years. There's several, and so so uh, yeah, I've seen a transformation in my in my career absolutely from a pure 
government and military. So we don't uh, we don't work. ESA is a civil agency, so we don't work on military. Even though we mm. do have some dual programs like Galileo, but let's say we are we are a civil agency. So we have seen, let's say, civil space, which was research, exploration, everything everything related to to telecommunications was supported by ESA, but was not our main mandate. So anything mm. like like TV satellite TV existed already since, since the eighties, but that was a very small niche and, and and now 20 years later like you say we have people who would, who are planning to open a hotel in, in space uh, i don't know when but uh, right. <laughs> but we had a lot of people who went to space uh paying <laughs> not yeah. people who paid to go in space we had uh you know things have changed dramatically and um and so in fact we are adapting to it. Governments, I mean, if I take the case in certain European governments, I mean, leading European governments in the space transportation domain, for example, uh, like France and Italy, they have now space uh, is uh, is not uh, in the research ministry affair. It's a industry ministry affair, you see. And so, mm. so why? Because there has been a change. And so, and so governments have adapted to this change. And so will it continue to increase? Yes. I mean, forecast is uh, space is... Um, you know, it's increased from a from a couple of billion euro per year business, and now it's in the tens of hundreds of billions, and it's keep and it will keep growing. I guess at some right. point it will, like the it's it's it's. I see it personally as you can take a parallelism of commercial aviation. I mean, in the 1940s, you needed uh, you had still government, you know, building planes and operating planes, and then start you have an operators. So, and then as the industry becomes more mature, and today you would never fly on a public operated plane right you you right. you would fly you you know there are still public companies who operate obviously but uh, but primarily it's a commercial affair and so i would say that um, the trend is eventually that space will be will be a lot com- a commercial affair except for what has no commercial value clearly science pure science uh, exploration where there's no money to be made that will be a government affair obviously so so space civil governmental space will continue for sure forever but uh, but there will be a gigantic uh, sector increasing in- yeah in commercial yeah. Huh? yeah and and to that extent you know about the future of um, the professionals that are going to be involved with ESA and you know NASA in the United States what, what advice do you have you know for someone who wants to enter this line of work well, first of all, uh, I mean, there's a broad, wide uh, range of expertise needed. I, I don't, I don't think that if you're not an aerospace or space engineer, uh, you cannot enter the vein at all. I mean, I think you people are working from different domains. So I think, I think there's need for uh, specific engineers. There's there's need for physicists. There's need for for economists. There's need for I mean, especially if it's a commercial business, right? So. There's marketing. If you're sales, you have to sell. So, but let's say if you're really now focusing on the technology of the rocket itself, clearly mm. that is comparable technology of what you have maybe in the in the aeronautics domain. Um, a bit more. Uh, there's some specific technologies that are more extreme in the, in the space. Uh, in a rocket or a spaceship is has some uh, sp- some let's say domains which are really specific, which are not in the aeronautics domain, but. But a lot of a lot of the base core is is comparable. So so again, aeronautics, mechanical, electrical engineers. That that's that's the background, really, where you want. If you like to be working or or contributing or building a rocket or a spaceship, clearly you need some engineering background. But you have a wide choice. 
Yeah. And then, you know, looking back uh, on your, your career, and then, is there something that you wish someone had told you before <laughs> that you didn't know? <laughs> oh, that's a <laughs> <tricky> question. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Tell you everything you need to know before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't say no. I mean, there's no irreversible there, uh, in your job uh, career path. You can, uh, I, I think there's, there's, amount, there's so much work now because it's a growing sector in space domain that i think that if you're discover what you picked is not your favorite I, i'm sure you have time to readapt and change so clearly my my advice is that there's no need to be focused and stuck on one thing um and i'm saying this now i need i need to say some of the institutional some of our ESA programs are extremely long <laughs> i have to say mm. this. i mean it took yeah. 20 years to from conception and approval of a space station program to get the, the, the European space station module operational. I think the Columbus module is really a 20 year program, something like that. So clearly you have to be if patient. You love it, if you love that thing so much, you can do it for 20 years. Yes. you yeah. can. But, okay. but uh, I also believe that uh, there's so many, and maybe in the old days you didn't have many programs to pick. So you were kind of stuck in one, but nowadays there's so much happening that I, I think you can, you know, you start in one and if, you, if you're not sure that's the best one, you can change and you have so many opportunities. Awesome. And um, let's say one last uh, quick question that we can uh, squeeze in. Do you have an anecdote that you can share with us about your, you know, any part of your job or something that happened in the past that, you, that is worth mentioning? That's also an interesting question. Now, I would say the most fascinating part of, of the job let's put it that way rather than anecdote to say what i really can say um well here wow now i understand why i was doing this in my case uh, working on these rockets um, when you you know design them you, you you see them on on the screen on a computer screen and you see parts of it and but it's never really the the wow effect when you see it there in front of you <laughs> This gigantic mm -hmm. thing, and you think, "Wow, that thing can mm -hmm. fly!" Actually, well, hard yeah, to miss. It to fly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a sixty-story, you know, sixty-meter-high thing. And then uh, seeing these things fly, uh, the launch is a very short event, but it's a, such a powerful event. And you know, the, the engines that that power these rockets, uh, they can light up. Uh, you know, the whole Switzerland can be lit up. And the, I mean, the amount of power <laughs> that, you, yeah, I mean, the, the amount of power that that is emitted in those seconds of launch is. It's in order of terawatts, so it could light up, wow. half, you know, half of Europe only for a few Amazing. minutes. But let's say that's the power yeah. level. And so when you see it in front of you, that's really wow. You said, "Wow, okay, now I understand why, why <laughs> I spent all these years banging my head on that." And I said, "That's yeah. that's that's really a so it sparks your passion again." So, yeah. yeah, I mean, clearly, if you're an astronaut, you're really in it, and then you—that's yeah. your job, being in it every day. That's that's really the, the you know the top of the chain of the of the space mm -hmm. uh, you know you flight uh, living the experience on a daily basis. But if you're an engineer working on it, let's say there's a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of work which is not really on the terrain. Uh, and then, uh, but again, it pays off if you're really that's what you want to do. You want to see these things fly and operate. Davide, thank you so much. It's been so interesting. And uh, I wish you all the best for the remainder of your career decades still to come. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. That was Davide Nicolini, Program Manager at the European Space Agency. I invite you to write me a comment or a rating on your favorite podcast player. It will help me improve my next episodes. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. 
You can write me also directly at jobtalespodcast, all one word, gmail.com. Next week's podcast episode will be about, well, stay tuned to find out. <laughs>